Amen. Yeah, great. This is on. Well, welcome everyone. It's great to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. For all those of you that are new, I really hope you feel loved today. And I really encourage you, if uh, you aren't new, make somebody feel loved today. Afterwards, find somebody that you can, uh, you can get to know and uh, encourage this morning. Uh, I'm sure we've all had these moments before in our life. If you're anything like me, where you're in the midst of a sound and glorious sleep, where the sun is just like, is, is slowly and gently caressing your face, and, and you're, you're slowly waking out of your slumber, and suddenly you have this thought, this sleep is too good. And that moves to, man, why do I feel so rested? Which is quickly followed by, why hasn't my alarm went off? And suddenly, you're frantically waving your limbs about as you search for your phone with this one question that you need to answer, and you need it answered now. And that question is this, what time is it? What time is it? Because knowing what time it is, it helps me to determine what I, what I need to focus on and what I ought to be doing in any given moment, right? When I figure out what time it is, then I can decide, do I, do I have the time for a shower or, or do I need to go with my current smell today? <laughs> do, I, do, I, do I make breakfast? Or do I figure that out along the way, right? Do I brush my teeth? Well, who doesn't brush your teeth? Come on. Right? Do, do I need to, to text them or call them and let them know I'm running late? Or am I so late now that I need to reschedule this meeting? Right? Uh, if we don't know what time it is, then it's difficult for us to know what we ought to be doing. And, and I, I'd imagine some of us are, are more about time than others. I know that's true in, in my household where I'm raring to get out the door and some of us just, we just have different priorities. But knowing the time is very important uh, for all of us, not just in a physical sense, but especially in a spiritual one. And I want to take some time this morning to talk to you guys about the importance of knowing God's time, and hopefully through that, I, I, I hope that all of us will be more aware of what God is doing in our lives and how he would have us partner with him right now, all right? So let's, let's take a moment to pray. Father, uh, fill our hearts with faith right now to receive your word and that it would bear fruit in our lives, oh God. We recognize your presence here in this place. We honor your lordship over our life, O oh God. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is leading us and empowering us in your ways to do what you've called us to do and to be who you've made us to be. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I mean, you know, God has a timing for things. He's a timing for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, For everything... There is an appointed time and an appropriate time for every activity on earth. 
God has made everything fit beautifully in its appropriate time. Now, God is, is timeless and eternal. The Bible says in Psalm 90 verse 2 that he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is not bound by time. He is transcendent. He always was and he always will be. But he made days, he made seasons, and he made time for us. And he put us within that. And he's operating with a specific timeline. All right? Everything has an appointed time. A specific time set by God where it fits into the bigger picture and the grand plan that he has. And, and long before any one of us came to be, the Bible says before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. He knew us. Ephesians tells us that before the foundations of the earth, he chose us in him. It blows my mind because I'm stuck thinking about things in segmented time, but God is so much bigger than that, so much beyond that, and yet he operates on a specific time. God has a time that he's executing his plan, and, and this isn't at all an accident. You're not here by chance even today. You're part of God's plan, and we're running on his timeline. You believe that? I believe that. Yeah. And as you look at the, the, the word, the Bible talks about again and again God's timing on things. And so Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, for example, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God had a set time for sending his Son, right? And as you look at Jesus and Jesus' life and ministry, he operated according to God's timeline, right? In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, after Jesus was put in prison, or sorry, after Jesus, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. And he said this, he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as you look at Jesus' life and ministry, again and again, we see Jesus looking to his dad to figure out what time it is, right? And what he ought to be doing in the moment. You say, well, well Jesus is God. Of course he knew God's time. He knew what time it was, right? But Jesus lived his life in submission to his Father, in dependency on God. He emptied himself, right? He became obedient as a man, like you and me. He lived in dependency, looking to his Father, going, what's my dad saying? What's he doing? And he only did that, right? That's why at the, at the, the wedding in Canaan, Galilee, as his mother is going, uh, Jesus, They've run out of wine. Jesus says to her, woman? Now, we, we probably wouldn't get slapped these days if we call, maybe some of us, if we called our mom woman. <laughs> but he says, woman, what does this have to do with us? He says, now is not my time. Right? He knew his time. Uh, or, or, for example, friends come to him and they say, Jesus, your, your friend, Lazarus, is sick and he's dying. 
So Jesus, knowing what time it was, instead of going to pray for his sick friend to be healed, he stayed where he was another two days because he knew the time to the point where Lazarus died. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, it's good for you that he's dead because this is going to bring about faith that you would believe I am who I am, the resurrection and the life. Right? We find Jesus again and again in his ministry saying things like, the time has come. Or, the hour is at hand. Jesus knew what time it was. And I, I firmly believe that for each one of us, God wants us to know what time it is too. Gave, Jesus gave us this example of a life lived in dependency on His Father. An example that we're to follow. And so, uh, Jesus says in, in Luke 12, verses 54 and 56, at one point, as he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, he turns to the crowd and he says this. He says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you do not know how to interpret the present time? God has an expectation of us that we would recognize what time it is right now. That our hearts would be open and attentive toward His timing. In the Bible, there's a, the story of the, the sons of Issachar. You're familiar with it. Issachar is, is not well known as, as one of the 12 tribes of Israel, but they're known for, for this. Uh, in uh, 1 Chronicles 12, verse 23, it's talking about the, David's uh, eventually taking, taking the throne after King Saul has died, okay? And, uh, and, and at this point, after King Saul has died, David has already been anointed king by Samuel long ago, and he's been on the run from Saul, and finally Saul dies, and instead of David being recognized as the king by all of Israel, he's only recognized by the king uh, as king by the tribe of Judah. Everyone else, all the 11 other tribes, have anointed Saul's son, Ishbosheth, try saying that five times fast, as king. Okay, Saul's son, Ishbosheth, is the king. All right? And, but, but what ends up happening is David is, is often in Hebron, and people begin to recognize what time it is. They begin to recognize what God has planned, and instead of remaining with the rest of Israel in recognizing Ishbosheth as king, they begin to go to David at Hebron. And this is what it says in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 23. It says, these are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him. As the Lord had said, goes on in verse 32 and it says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under the command. Okay, it says of the sons of Issachar that these were men who understood the times and knew, because they understood the times, they knew what Israel should do. 
Okay? And so instead of, of them just going along with what was already happening around them, or concluding that, you know what, we're small, we're, we're a small, us, we're just one of the tribes, and everyone else has already chosen Ishbosheth to be the king. We'll just go along with that. Or, you know what, if God's going to do something, he's going to do it, and it's going to happen anyways. No, they recognized the times, and they understood what they ought to do. And therefore, they partnered with God in seeing what he had planned come about. Are you with me? Now, this, this isn't just a, a, a one-off of these guys, but this is something that every single one of us is called to do as believers. It's to discern the times. It's to recognize what God is doing right now. Because as much as he is sovereign, as much as he is all-powerful, as much as he could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, he is a God of love. He is a God of relationship. And he is a God who has chosen to work through his church, his bride. Amen? And he doesn't do it without us. And so what he's doing is he is speaking to us through his word and through his spirit about his plans for us, about the times in which we are living. And he's looking for men and women of faith who are willing to stand on his word and partner with him in what he wants to bring about on the earth. Are you with me? We need to discern what time it is. God is calling us. He's asking us, do you know what time it is, church? Do you recognize the time? Like the sons of Issachar. I'm, I'm telling you, this is key in growing in maturity in Christ. One of the signs of maturity that I recognize like from my kids is when, when my kids know what time it is, right? So much of my job these days as a parent is to help my kids understand the time, right? Kids, it's dinner time. Therefore, go wash your hands, come to the table, let's get ready to eat, right? This is the time for dinner. Or, kids, the bus is coming. Let's go. Get your clothes out. What? How can you still not? Are your bags packed? Come on. Put it together. Let's go because the bus is coming, right? Bedtime. Kids, all right, it's bedtime. What do we do at bedtime? We don't eat ice cream. What? No, why are you asking for ice cream? It's not the time for ice cream. It is not the time for horsing around. Now is the time to brush your teeth, grab a book, and quietly get in your beds. Right? I'm helping them as a dad to discern the time so that they know what they ought to do in the moment. And as they grow in maturity, less and less do I have to help them to understand the times because they know, because they're taking ownership and responsibility and they recognize that it's a partnership here. God's looking for partners. He's looking for men and women who understand what time it is and are willing to partner with Him through faith in seeing it come about. And so let me ask you this, as you look at your life and where you are right now and what God's doing, what time is it? Do you know what time it is? I want to share with you a couple of scriptures that speak to what time it is, generally speaking, and then we're going to take some time to just stop and ask God, God, what are you doing in my life right now, specific to me, that, that what time it is? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. 
It says this, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. It's now. It's right now. Now is the time. You want to know what time it is? It's favor time. It's the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I I love how C.S. Lewis, he says in his book, The Weight of Glory, the present is the only time in which any duty may be done or grace received. Now is the time, folks, to receive. Now is the time to enter into God's favor and to receive of his salvation. Judgment is coming, but it's not the time. It's favor time. A time will come when when we will, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, will enter into eternity with him. And those that don't know him will be destined to eternal damnation. Hell was never designed to be a place for people, but for Satan and his demons. It's not for us. God's grace and his favor and his son is for us. But if we are to experience his favor, if we are to enter into his grace and to receive of his salvation, which is completely a gift by faith, He's done it all. He paid our debt in full. He died on the cross for your sins. He took your punishment. But if you are to receive of that, you got to recognize the time. Now is the time to receive. And I want to encourage each one of you, if you don't know if you are saved, you can know today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Recognize that he died in your place. Understand that it's not about your performance, it's about his. His performance is perfect. Ours is never good enough. That's why he came. That's why he died, because he loves you, and he wants for you to be with him. But the way in which that will happen is through you receiving that now. Now is the time. We don't know how long we have. None of us know. But he offers us his favor and his grace Right here, right now. Don't wait. I want to encourage you. Receive of that. Romans 13, verses 11 to 14, it says, Paul says, And do this, understanding the present time. Knowing the time, right? He says, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Just understand the present time. 
So if you don't know him, it's time to know him. If you're living out of striving and work, it's time to rest and receive of his grace and his favor in your life. For those that have known him for a while, that maybe in this past season have found themselves sort of lulled to sleep, lulled to complacency, lulled into a place of comfortability where we maybe have, for whatever reason, forgotten what time it is. I'm here today to remind this church, now is the time. Now is the time to make it count. Our time is short. You know, let, let's, not, let's not waste it. Let's live our lives right now in light of eternity, recognizing that this is just but a breath, but a whisper of what's to come. Paul says this, he says, he says, the hour has already come for you to wake up. Turn to your neighbor and gently and kindly with a smile on your face, say to them, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Church, it is time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Now is the time. Now is the time to shake off any lethargy, any complacency, and to recognize when we are alive. The time in which we are, are living. And Paul says this. He says, put aside. In light of the time, he says, put aside the deeds of darkness. And he lists off all these, these different things. He says, put it aside. And what that doesn't mean is take those things and put it in a place where you might be able to, to pick it up again later. That's not what what put aside means. Put aside means to cast it off, to throw it away, to get rid of it. A week ago Sunday, in order that we, wouldn't, we would have enough time to get to church, I made a load of scrambled eggs for breakfast for our kids, okay? And, and they were good. Them nice cheesy scrambled eggs. Uh, and uh, Gideon wanted, my youngest son, wanted to help himself to those scrambled eggs. And so in light of the time, we took them in the car. He's sitting in the back seat. And by the time we got to the theater, I realized this whole tray of scrambled eggs, he'd accidentally dumped it down the side of the seat. Okay? No big deal. For, for some of you, you're like, man, my, if you've seen my car, you'd understand. Okay, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> but I forgot about these eggs. Okay, I forgot about it. Until Tuesday, we have two vehicles. So Tuesday, I open up the car and I'm like, what is that smell? Like I've heard people talking about that smell of rotten eggs before, but I'm like, what is that? How you know, at that point, there's not a, like, putting aside, okay, like, let's gently deal with this. It's okay. I'm like, I need to deal with this now. Now is the time. I need to get rid of this and throw it out and get it as far away from me as possible. I'm cleaning this up with my hands. And for the rest of the day, this smell, as hard as I try, is on my hands. I can't get rid of it. This is the time in which we live where Paul says, put aside these things. Don't waste your time. Don't waste this favor and this grace that God has given us. Let's make it count. 
Let's be who he's called us to be and do what he's called us to do. How do we do that? Because I've tried to do that on my own. I've tried to make it happen. I've tried to fight to put things off. But the best way that you can put those things off is what he says here in this passage. He says, put on Christ. Clothe yourselves with Christ. And what he's talking about here is a daily sort of thing. This is not a one-time deal where you go, yeah, I heard that, I did that already. He's talking to the church here. He's saying, put aside these things and clothe yourselves with Christ. Put Christ on every single day that in what you do, in where you go, that you're doing it in partnership with Him. That you're living your life on purpose, out of connection with, with God, your Father right? He has a plan for you. He has a time for you. And that time is right here and right now. Each one of us has gifts. And I just want to encourage you, don't sit on those gifts. Don't sit on those graces. God wants to use you. He has a plan. What does it look like for us to put on Christ? I think it looks like for us to honor him. Wherever we go, that we're looking to honor him, that we're looking to him, that we're, that, that we're honoring him as our Lord and that we're surrendering to him. Whatever he says, that's what goes. We're looking to, to submit to his lordship. We're looking to commune with him. He says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. What does it look like to be friends with God? What does it look like to, to walk with the spirit of God as my friend? To live out of connection with Him. Not just here on a Sunday, but moment by moment, day by day. That's what He has for us. And that takes time. It takes intentional time. How much time do I have? Yeah, okay. Now there are a few, there are a few spectacular moments in our life. I would say life-changing moments where we have a decision to make that, that, that defines the rest of our life, that sets, sets us up for, for where we're headed. But the majority of our life, I think, is made up of millions and millions of mundane moments. Everyday, ordinary times. But I, I really believe it's in the ordinary, everyday. That, that's, and how we, we steward that time that ultimately defines us. And stewarding that time well and prioritizing what matters in the moment sets us up for living a life of purpose, a, a, a life of change, a life of extraordinary things with God. You want to know what time it is? Look to the one who made you. Look to the one who's beyond time. Look to the one who's Lord over it all. And don't worry so much about what it is that you're doing. Focus on putting on Christ. Focus on being with him. Focus on connecting with him. And whatever, whatever he, he will, he'll do through you. Um, that's, that's generally what time it is. But how many you know there's specific times also that God has planned for us in our life. And I want to I take a moment to talk about that because I, I believe that, that God wants each one of us to have a better handle on what time it is in our life right now. 
We're all at, at different places. We're all going through different things. But I really believe God has a time and a place for us. And so it may be the time for growing in faith and trust in Him. It may be the time for, for knowing how to abide in Him. It may be the time for breaking off lies and knowing more of His truth and His freedom in your life. The time that you're in right now may be a time of hiddenness, where you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm doing a whole lot, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm making much of a difference, but where God's got you in a place where He's like, just come be with me, right? It, it, you may be in a time where you're going through grief and, and mourning right now. You may be in a time where, where God says, I want you to rest and receive. You may be in a time where He's saying, let's go, let's go. Stop sitting on those gifts. Start embracing the call and stepping out in faith and believing what, I, what, I, what I've said to you, right? I don't, I don't know, but he knows, and he's a wonderful counselor, and he, you know, as if any of us, the Bible says, lacks wisdom, ask, right? And he will tell you what time it is. Okay, so why don't we do that just for a moment? Let's just take a moment to turn our heart to the Lord and personally just ask him, God, in my life, what are you doing right now? What time is it? And just listen. And as he speaks to you and as he begins to show you what time it is, recognize that it's not your job to figure out how to make that happen or how to, how to do that or get there, but he goes before you in it. This is partnership. This is partnership where he takes the lead. He's a paracletos, right? He's the one who comes alongside and he's the one who goes before us and he's the one who makes a way and empowers us to do or be whatever whatever he wants. He's there with you in the midst of it. And as he, as he speaks to you about what time it is, recognize that he's going to set you up again and again and again with opportunities for you to step into that, for opportunities for you to walk that out, for you to live that out. Your job is to be aware of it. Your job is to say yes to him in what he's doing right now. And as you do, you're going to continue to grow in faith. You're going to continue to grow in receiving of his promises and his plans for your life. That's how this works. But it starts with awareness, right? With understanding the time. I just want to, want to close with this. And it's, it's a familiar story, uh, probably for the majority of us. The story of Esther. And... Uh, and we're not, I'm not even going to go into detail about the story. You, you can read it in your Bible. It's only a couple of chapters. It's a really great story. But I love what Mordecai um, says to Esther towards the end in Esther 4, verse 14. As, uh, as her people, as the Jews, are under the threat of being utterly destroyed, 
okay, by this decree that has been enacted. Mordecai is challenging Esther to step up and to recognize what time it is. And he says to her this, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family's father's family will perish. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I love that. It's, it's powerful. You know, Esther could have, could have concluded, you know what, I saw this coming. I really saw this coming. Because here we are in exile. What, like, what hope is there for our people here? Really? Like, it's only natural that after exile, we would be destroyed. Right? She could, she could have concluded, you know what, what, I'm just one person. This is an entire nation. What can I actually really do about this? Or she, she could have thought, you know, how could God actually use me to save my people? But instead she chose to believe. Instead she recognized that she was born for a purpose at that time. And through her, God brought about the salvation of a nation. You're born for this time. He has a plan for you. What could God do through you in partnership with you right here, right now? Last week, James spoke about God using this group to see over a million people come to know Him. Now, you may have sat here last week and went, mm, that sounds nice. A million people... Uh, you know what, like, but it doesn't really sound all that realistic. I mean, how's that going to happen? Yeah, for the next 11 years, lead somebody to Christ. I'm looking at my history, and I haven't, I haven't done that every year. So what's, what's going to change now? How, how is that actually going to happen? Or, or you could recognize that you were born for such a time as this. You know, it's, it's so easy for us to focus on the problem, it's so easy for us to focus on what's not, what's not working right now or to focus on ourselves and to go, yeah, I don't have it, <laughs> right? Instead of, of, of putting our gaze on, on God and recognizing His call in our lives and His word that will not return empty or void. I, I just want to encourage you. You may look at what's going on around you and you, you, you may think, there's not a whole lot going on here right now. But you know what's happening in our world right now when it comes to Christianity? It is absolutely incredible. We are living in unprecedented times. I was just looking at um, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. Okay? This is coming out of Gordon, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. Uh, and, and they, well, they found that right now, okay, this is not like a past study, this is right now, 77,000 people are coming to Christ every single day in our world. Just think about that for a moment. 77,000 people are coming to Christ every single day. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. 70,000 of them are in the global south, right? They're in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. 7,000 of them 
are in North America and in Europe, the global north, right? But 77,000 people are coming to Christ every single day. This morning, I was chatting with a friend who found us online from Afghanistan. Okay? He found our church online. And the reason he found our church is because with the Taliban taking over in Afghanistan once again, he recognized as a Muslim man, there's got to be something more than this. This can't be all there is. And so God led him to reach out to our church. This morning, he sent me a message because the Bible that I had sent him in his language, the Gospel of John in his language, uh, he had to delete it from his phone because he was at a checkpoint where they were going through all his stuff. And so he wanted the Bible back again. I mean, it's a small thing, but for me it was a reminder of God is doing so much more than we think. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at what's going on around you and look to him. Look to him. He's not a dummy. He's God. He knows what he's doing. Recognize that he purposed and planned for you to live your life, to be born where you are at this time for such a time as this. It's our time. It's our time to give him glory. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for each one of us that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, awaken us from, your, from any slumber, from any complacency, and that you would stir in your bride a hunger for you and for the things of your kingdom. That you would give us such a security in our identity as your sons and daughters and in the inheritance that we share with you, Jesus. I pray that each one of us would grow in your love, in receiving and knowing your love for ourselves in such a way that it would just ooze out from us everywhere that we go. And God, that your name would be exalted and your glory would be revealed through our lives at this time, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're going, because we are partnering with you. Here we are, Lord. Here we are for your glory. In Jesus' name. That was a great message, powerful message. All glory to God. Thank you for encouraging us, Greg. And this is God's time, incredibly true. And I like what I'm taking away is that we need to step up and partner with him. It's always God's time. But you need to partner to know what season you are in and how he's leading us, right? And so this is a great way for us to be reminded today and through this week till we meet again next week that God's time is here. And it's in your life, right, not being fulfilled. Just take it and receive it by faith, right? Have a great week, guys. We'll see you all next week. Uh, parents, but don't forget to pick up your kids. And, uh, yeah, have a great uh, day. God bless you guys.